Welcome back to Quality Matters. I'm Darcy. And I'm Kyle. We're going to talk about training today. All right. But we have a special guest. They're all special, though. Does any of them become more special than the others? This one is more special. This one's more special. Okay. What makes him more special? Well, you tell us. You tell us. He's been your friend for how long? Oh, heck. First grade? Second grade? Something like that? Long time. And you're Second cool. grade. Second, Second grade. grade. Yeah. And now he speaks. <laughs> <laughs> we have Major Andrew Freeman from the Army. Yes. And also from Kyle's friend. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Andrew. In today's global economy, quality matters. Benjamin Franklin once quipped, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. Quality Matters is here to talk about all things quality. So whether you're looking to improve your business, getting ready for an audit, or dealing with failed inspections, tune in, check us out, then get back to doing work that matters. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So Kyle had this idea to have you on to talk about training. I guess you're in training, in charge of some training in the Army. So essentially, uh, what my position is now is the unit that I'm in is tasked with training um, National Guard and Reserve units prior to their deployment overseas. Uh, They come out to where we are for about 30 to 45 days, depending on their mission, and we get them from whatever point they're at to ready to deployment state. So how do you determine what is ready to deploy? So without getting into any specifics, there's several <laughs> different methods for that. Um, all of them are outlined in various army regulations or theater regulations for the locations they're going to. Um, but there's document and information out there about what people need to know ahead of time. So you're not just winging it. Right. And so with the army, basically it's all based off of just standards. Um, so we have a set accepted standard for the qualification for your rifle set standard for making sure that you've ensured that you've met all of your sexual harassment training or your equal opportunity training or suicide prevention. Um, there's a whole list um, of training that we're supposed to conduct throughout the year. In addition to what most people think of as army training, which would be going out to the range and shooting your rifle. So y'all kind of deal with same stuff that average, uh, folks in, in the uh, private sector deal with just a little bit uh, different consequences on the line sometimes. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, it's, it's the army is a corporation, just like any other corporation. Um, there's bureaucracy involved and there's um, personnel involved at every level. And we've got our own set of rules and our own set of training guidelines that we have to meet just like any other organization. So I'm wondering, you mentioned, you know, like the sexual harassment training and suicide prevention training. Is that, you know, the classic like, oh, we're going to watch this video and everybody groans and rolls their eyes and it's super cheesy? Or is it something that you feel is effective? Well, I don't know. Can you really give us an opinion, honestly, (laughs) and not get in trouble? (laughs) I think think at the most basic level, it is effective. Um, there's definitely room for improvement, just like anything else. But the, the main basic message of any of those trainings is to get the reporting criteria out there. One is to make sure everybody's aware of what 
is and is not allowed. And then two, it's to set up methods so that everybody knows if something's going on that's not allowed or it shouldn't be happening, they have ways to report it so that it gets taken care of. Okay. Well, this all sounds like what we talk about all the time is, you know, any any good process is going to have enough details planned out ahead of time. So it sounds like most every contingency someone's uh, thought about and documented in one way or another. And I'm assuming all of this is readily accessible for folks. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's readily accessible in several different ways. It's all available on through our Army websites for the Army regulations training. Uh, you do have to have... Um, access to it, but everybody in the army should have access to it. If they don't, then they just have to ask for access to it. Um, the other methods, every uh, unit has their bulletin boards outside their barracks and outside their offices that have the reporting criteria and the standards and where all this stuff's located. And then within each um, organization, you have your training um, rooms. And those are guys that kind of make sure that we meet and uh, meet or exceed all of the annual training requirements um, through di- various methods, both in paper and then online tracking systems. Now, how many folks do you have to train on a regular basis? So it really rotates and, and varies. Um, the brigade as a whole um, sees about 50,000 a year. Wow. No small task there. But how many of those are you in charge of, I guess? Uh, So it gets broken out. There's several battalions within the brigade, and each of us will have six to seven uh, units, battalion-sized units that will come through that we're responsible for training, ranging anywhere from a couple hundred people to 2,000 people. Wow. That's pretty cool. Or or more. It all just depends on the mission. Um, How do you keep up with everything? That seems like an awful lot to keep track of. And that's probably the number one complaint we hear from folks when it comes to competence and training is how do I keep up with who needs what, who's had what, how do we know if they're effective? So there's several ways and we're always looking to improve our own processes as we continue, which is why after every unit comes through, we have what we call an after action review, which is simply we just take notes that we notice about the whole process and then try to implement ways to make it better for the next set. But essentially, we start working with these units anywhere from 18 months to a year out uh, from when they actually arrive here um, for their training. And during that process, we have several touch points. Um, Usually about once a quarter, we'll have some type of touch points. Prior to the coronavirus, it was in person. Uh, Lately, it's been virtual, uh, just to cut down on the amount of people traveling to various locations. Um, But we'll have these touch points where we get involved and make sure that they're still on track with their training before they arrive here, as well as make sure that our training objectives meet both the requirements for the Army, but also the requirements for the unit coming through. Um, So essentially, we build this training calendar that starts from the day we first talk to them up until the day they leave here. And... Like I said, about every quarter, we have these touch points where we refine it. Uh, The big thing, though, is having uh, handoffs between the point of contacts because because it's so far out, sometimes those soldier who is working on it moves or PCSs or retires or gets assigned to another unit. Um, So it's a big 
thing to have a continuity handoff before before they move or before they arrive. Um, so it's really just building in the systems to both analyze what training needs to be done and then also keep track of the training as it's happening and where it's happening. What if someone fails one of the trainings in, in between? Now, how do you handle the uh, corrections for that? So that's, I guess the way it would be to build in flexibility. So you have your set training objectives um, and say we want a unit to qualify on the rifle. And they said they're going to qualify 50% of their unit before they arrive. And for whatever reason, a hurricane, bad weather, uh, training mission, change of mission, or this past year with coronavirus, they get retasked to do something else. And when they show up, they only had a chance to qualify 25%. Well, we'll have, we'll build in um, time that if we need more time at the range, we can get more time at the range. Or if we need more classroom time, we can get more classroom time. So part of it's the flexibility. Um, and then part of it's just making sure that we keep good records and keep the track of everything. Makes sense. Sounds like you got a friend there in the background. Uh, yeah, there's some work going on at the house and he's barking at the car. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about, um, so you say you have standards for their training, for their mission. Do the, I assume those change based on what you know from soldiers currently being overseas. Right. So part of it's you got the army standard um, that's always, always gets reevaluated every so often. And then you have the mission standard that's reevaluated as the mission progresses. So anytime we're training somebody to be the replacements, we look at their various, Hey, this worked good for us last time, or Hey, our missions kind of changed a little bit over here. We need to incorporate, um, this, this or that into your training program. So it's really um, building in those touch points with not only the unit that's coming through the training, but also the unit that's currently conducting that mission. And uh, so that you can make sure that we're meeting the needs of everybody involved from the big army all the way down to the individual soldiers. That is a lot of flexibility to build in there. And, and you know, again, that, that's something that I guess folks just generally don't think about when they think about management systems or especially, you know, when I, you know, try to imagine what you guys have to uh, keep track of, it seems like it would be much more rigid. Sounds like everything's documented, but I, I would always assume they'd be more rigid, but y'all have got a lot of flexibility built in there to, uh, to adjust as things change. So there, there is rigidity into it, which needs to be there. Like I said, we have the set set of standards that, no matter what it is, it's you have to be qualified on this or that. You have this set of standards to whether it's medical training or rifle training or whatever it is. There's a set uh, standard that really doesn't change. It's how we get you to that standard that gotcha. can add. Some people need more time. Some people need less time. Some people are already certified and it's just a recertification process. Some people have never done it before and we go through the whole process. The big thing... Um, within that flexibility is there, it, there comes a certain point where you have to like, lock in the training um, just from a resource standard, from a location, from a resource, anything from food and water, the trains, ammunition, whatever it is, classroom space, enough chairs. Um, at some point you've got to lock it in. And that's really where the, the touch points kind of, 
let you be successful is you've had all these touch points. So by the time you have to lock in the training, you're fairly set with an 85 to 90% solution that'll get you through the end of it. Pretty neat. So what are some of the more uh, fun training programs that you get to conduct and put together? So I think, um, so some of the most fun ones are out of the range. Um, they're the ones that everybody seems to enjoy either with live ammunition at a range or what we call sticks or FTX, which is a situational training exercise or a field training exercise where you go out and you have some type of opposing force usually played by soldiers from the unit or soldiers from another unit. And you have, um, scenarios or missions that you have to achieve, um, to prepare you for what you're going to be doing on your mission. Now, now, Shuri, I, I assume you, you don't get to shoot live ammo, folks. Are you using like paintball guns or what are you doing for this? So some of it is done through a program called Miles, which is essentially a very advanced version of laser tag that involves blank ammunition and um, sensors on soldiers. And then we also have uh, a type of training using simunitions, which is similar to paintball, paintball rounds, except it's utilized through our um, through our weapon systems instead of a paintball. It's more like a chalk. <laughs> <laughs> How uh, how much time goes into planning one of these uh, these exercises? Because I assume y'all are trying to simulate conditions that these folks are going to run into overseas, or you know, uh, even situations here at home. How, how do you how do you plan for that? How do you simulate it? So the planning really starts. Um, the initial planning starts about a year out, and then we start really hitting it hard and heavy the six months to 90 days. And then by 90 days, pretty much everything's approved and locked in. And then we just are waiting for the unit to arrive and making sure that everything arrives on time. Do you get to use some of the same situations? Do they get to repeat sometimes? So yes and no. Um, If we're training a mission that's replacing somebody, we can take a lot of that stuff um, that we did before. We kind of have a, a basic set of we know they need to be prepared to do this but there's nothing that's just cut and paste we have to analyze it because the situation on both sides both the training unit is at a different level of proficiency and then the unit conducting the mission stuff's changed in the last nine months two years since we sent them over there so um you've got a basic knowledge of hey they need to do this this and this but a, B, and C, the ways to get there are going to slightly differ each time. Hmm. Interesting. So trying to, you know, always try to find parallels with the stuff to, you know, small businesses and whatnot. And I guess what uh, what advice do you have for, for teams that have, you know, maybe they've got various uh, customer requirements, safety trainings, environmental trainings, all this different stuff from everywhere, plus all of the standard HR stuff that you have. You know, does it take a, a team of 30 or 40 people to plan and execute this? Or is this something that can be, uh, you know, really streamlined for just a small handful, maybe even two or three folks to, to plan and put together? So I guess it would depend on the outcome and how involved it is. So some of the stuff can be planned by one or two people. Um Some of it needs a team of 30 people to do it. Uh, Really, it depends on the execution of it. So 
if you're executing the more complex, the training event or training program, the more people you're going to need involved in the planning processes of it. But really, it comes down to a few things. If you have a key individual that can keep track of everything, both timeline and then also where everybody is in the individual planning processes, because we'll get together as a group, maybe. So if we were planning for an event, we'd get together as a group, have an initial planning session, and then we'd break out and the three or four people doing it would all, Hey, I need you to answer these questions and figure out how we're going to have to do this one or two things. And then we'd bring them back in maybe a week or two later and we'd assess where we are, come up with a different set of questions and then propose and go forward with the plan. And then you just kind of constantly reassess the, the big thing is figuring out what you want to be, where you want. So what you want to do when you want to do it and what your requirements are to do that. And then put a mark on the calendar and then backwards plan from that. So if you had to plan for a conference for your business, you were going to plan for a annual conference training conference, you'd plan it. Okay. We're going to have it on this week in November. Uh, we're going to do the first week of November. And then, so by September, we need to have, make sure that the, everything's locked in with food and travel by July. We've got to make sure that the venue's locked in. And then, so that kind of gives you your hard times based off of the contracts that need to be filled, the time required for them to approve contracts for the venue or wherever. And then you put those hard dates on the calendar and then back off your planning even further and say, okay, if the venue has to be locked in by July, then we need to have, then we need to know where we're going to do it by May so that we have a month and a half to two months to get the actual place to approve it. So it's all, that's the easiest way, I guess, to describe it is to start at the end point and figure out all your touch points, all your deadlines um, and then figure out where you're going to start your planning process. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, I think that makes sense. <laughs> so what's some of the biggest hiccups and problems you run into? You know, things that really just derailed the situation to look out for. So the unforeseen. Um, so coronavirus was a good big one. <laughs> I think I've heard that before. National Guard. So like I said, we train a lot of National Guard and Reserve, and they do a lot of disaster response as well. So they, you know, a hurricane might hit or a flood might hit or an earthquake might hit the same week that they were going to do a bunch of their training. Um, so now they're doing their National Guard uh, disaster relief, which is a very good mission. But then we got to figure out somewhere in that timeline to make up all that training that they missed. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So it's like I said, it's the, the easy ones are the ones you predict. It's the unforeseen events that require that flexibility and uh, the smart people in the rooms. Smart people. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got any anything else, Darcy, to ask here? I think I we're almost so. at our 20-minute mark, so I think it's a lot of good uh, good information. Uh, it's, it's fascinating to me how, again, these processes are the same no matter where you go. You know, success in one area is not that much different than success in another. It's the, the specifics you're looking at change, but... The overall process really doesn't change that much. Mm-hmm. You got anything else to add, Andrew? Uh, just 
I'd like to point out that these are all just my opinions. Um, <laughs> not role, but thanks for having me and um, wish all best of success with these podcasts. Hey man, I appreciate it. Go, uh, go have fun with the work getting done there at the house and we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. Okay. All right. Thank you. Hey guys, this is Darcy with Quality Matters. We really appreciate you listening. And if you enjoy it, we invite you to subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you listen to your podcast. Subscribe, comment, leave us a review. We're happy to hear from you.